Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we are back with your favorite podcast of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 419, and we're excited to do this. And Abriana, how are you? I'm awesome. How are you? I'm pretty, pretty pumped. I uh, just came off of like an entire day of celebrating the Toronto Raptors, the victory parade, the rally, you know, all of that. It was, it was craziness. The city was out of control. Um, unfortunately there was some violence as well. <laughs> um, but, uh, nobody got killed or anything. So, you know, thankful for that. Um, so yeah, but, uh, it was a lot of fun. So, yeah, it sounds super exciting. Maybe we can, have that level of excitement here in Atlanta in October. I don't know. Yeah, you never know. The Braves are looking pretty good. I don't, you know, they got a shot. They do. They Not sure. Like do. Our Blue Jays, that's for sure. They have a shot every year. It's yeah. yeah. So yeah. I'm just gonna stick well, with that's it. That's why we we sent Alex Anthopoulos over there to help you guys out a little bit. So. Yeah. So we have a good show. Yeah, we do. We do. There's some interesting stories this week. Uh, just three industry news stories, three member news stories. Um, but uh, it's interesting. There's some good stuff. I'll let, you, I'll let you kick it off. All right. Well, I'm kicking it off with an ad tech story. So everybody's heard of AppNexus, um, and they have now rebranded to Xander Invest with AT&T Data. Um, so basically what AT&T did is um, last year, AT&T acquired the AppNexus platform, um, and now advertisers are going to be able to layer the AT&T first-party data when they buy inventory through the AppNexus Exchange, or which is Xander's uh, video network. So um, what's interesting is that you know all of the the AT&T data is going to be able to be layered into that. So you've got like display, video, native, OTT, CTV, and audio inventory, and that's on and off Xander's network. Um, so that's private marketplace and, um, and or programmatic guaranteed buys. So um, this is not inclusive currently of the Warner Media line linear TV, but they're thinking about adding that in as well. So, um, you know, one thing that I was thinking of is that we, we recently had that story about the lawsuit that was being drawn up against the top four uh, yeah. tier carriers with their data. So uh, my thought was, you know, is this a sign that the lawsuit is pretty much null and void or, you know, are they just going to continue with it regardless? I don't know. Um, but, you know, they're, they're integrating with all of the major SSPs in the marketplace. They've kind of thought this out. Um, a, one thing that really screamed at me for this story though, is that this is like, I'm like walled garden alert, right? All of this first party data is only going to be able to be used in the Xander environment and not be able to be exported out. So buyers are only going to get this access to this like log level reporting. Um, you know, I think that we had seen AppNexus sort of the past few years, their business had sort of fizzled out, uh, which was probably a sign that there was movement going on here and moving in this direction. And so uh, what I think is interesting about this is these segments are going to be built off of AT&T's. It's a $170 million um, consumer connection, 170 million consumer connections. Um, and then they're obviously applying the behavioral, the, the physical location data, all of those different aspects to it. Um, 
but the walled garden thing to me is it just screams more of the same. Like this is what we've seen in the marketplace. This is what's already available in the marketplace. Um, now they're providing like another walled garden here and you can't use, I mean, the reporting is probably going to be pretty minimal and there's no transparency. And this is what bothers me. I think right now in this time and age and in, in the ad tech and MarTech space is that the transparency is very limited. So you have these brands that want to see attribution. They want to see these reports. They want to know how effective these media buys are. Um, and you know, I think that when we, when we, continue to create these systems or these, these, um, you know, fenced in sandboxes, if you will, you can't really, uh, it's not necessarily scalable. Um, and the analytics are minimal. So I think that, you know, there's a lot of interesting things about this story to me in terms of what is the future going to hold for the industry, as well as, you know, I'm assuming that they're not concerned with the, with, with the, um, the case that was brought, um, the lawsuit that was brought, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not like super ecstatic about it. I think there are some really strong features about this in terms of blending the data, but I, I do feel like, um, you know, it's kind of more of the same. Yeah. So for me, this is a a very, very interesting story. I, I mean, I think that AppNexus was was struggling. I think that uh, this is a good move to kind of rebrand it and kind of reposition what it, you know what they're doing with it. For for me, the challenges with the story are that um, you know the lawsuit that you're referring to, you know, I think was a pretty strong you know move against the mobile operator industry. They all came out and said, no, you know, okay, we we, we hear you, and you know we're going to stop selling location data. Um, we're not doing that anymore. Um, and, and that's it. And here we are, you know, what, what a month later and we've got, uh, you know, a, a new platform, rebranded platform, uh, that, you know, relies heavily on, on location data. And, um, while I, I hear what you're saying about the wall garden piece of that. And, and I, you know, there's a lot of limitations that that creates on, you know, sort of, uh, how the industry can benefit from something like this. I think part of that, you know, of keeping it in a wall garden is a little bit about having some control over where this data is going. Um, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing uh, for the industry. Where, where I completely agree with you is I think that the transparency issue is still uh, an issue here because they're not clear on what they're collecting, how they're collecting it, you know, um, what they're, you know, what they're doing with it, what the monetization looks like, um, you know, all those key questions that we talk about all the time. And then the other piece that's kind of interesting to me is, is Group M, uh, the big, you know, agency group, um, which is um, part of AppNexus, uh, or was, was, you know, sort of the biggest customer for AppNexus. Um, the, um, it, it seems like they will continue to have preferred access to this data. So again, like for their clients, I guess that's a good thing. If you're not one of their clients, um, you know, what does that mean? And, and so not only is it in a wall garden, it, there's a bit of a preferred uh, client buy-in access element to this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's good that, you know, they found a way to kind of, you know, move forward with, you know, monetizing the location data that they have. I think there needs to be absolutely 
way more transparency here in terms of what they're doing. Um, I, I somewhat agree with you uh, on, you know, the the limitations of the wall garden, and yet at the same time, I see, you know, the value of that if you can be transparent on why, you know, how you're controlling that data, if you will, uh, in, in terms of not releasing it to the to, to everybody and anybody, right? Um, and um, so, so that that's kind of my my thoughts on it. But um, an interesting move, and and I guess uh, you know the um, you know the need to rebrand that platform and and kind of find a new way to move it forward after that uh, acquisition. I think makes sense. Yep. All right. Moving on uh, to Israel now, uh, there's a company over there called Cerebro Platform. I love this name. Uh, it's it's C-E-R-E-B-R-O. Um, and uh, this is a, uh, a platform that is aimed at revolutionizing the digital out-of-home media space. Um, and what they do is they... Um, run billboard campaigns uh, that factor in all sorts of real-time data, um, you know, weather data and, and other campaign data. They, it uses facial recognition technology, location-based uh, geolocation data technology, uh, dem real-time demographic characteristics of, of those who are standing in front of the signs. This is like powering the minority report experience, if you will, uh, technology platform uh, to do that. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, so these guys are based in Israel. Um, they've got a number of uh, projects running primarily in Italy right now, uh, as well as uh, some stuff happening in, uh, I think, uh, in France uh, and uh, in Poland, they say. And uh, they've got about 100 screens uh, in, uh, up and running on the platform already. Uh, it's fully GDPR compliant. Uh, it doesn't save any personal information. Um, so basically gathers information in real time, uses that information to, to, you know, deliver the, uh, the campaign, uh, looking for, and then, and then, uh, it's gone. Uh, it does retain some sort of numerical data, um, for analysis purposes, I guess, how many people they're tracking and, uh, counts, uh, on things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, we've talked a lot in the last, month and a half or so on the show about, you know, technology platforms being embraced by the big players in out of home, JC Deco, uh, Clear Channel, CBS Outdoor, all these guys kind of uh, either partnering or buying or, or rolling out platforms for measuring uh, out of home performance based on location based data. And I think that if you look at kind of the advances in that area, and then couple that with technology uh, to actually uh, deliver truly hyper-local personalized uh, experiences. Uh, I think, uh, you know, you've got a good combination there. So uh, interested to see these guys evolve more um, as they kind of roll out into Europe and elsewhere. Yeah, I agree with everything that you said. Um, I actually do really like this name. I feel like I'm kind of hard to impress with names of new companies emerging, but I think this is a great name. And what I really think will probably make them thrive um, long-term is there no PII approach to this. Um, so I think that there's a wealth of data that's available without having to know that it's specifically me or you. Um, and I think that that's super smart in, in terms of where the market is heading and where, it, you know, where some of the changes that have already been made recently. Um, so I love the idea of all the different data pieces and the layers 
um, in that decision-making process. So I think this is a super smart move. There you go. All right. So the next, um, the next story we have is a new app is launching and it's called welcome. And this is pretty interesting because this is really targeted towards more of like the millennials and the Gen Zers who apparently are more spontaneous when it comes to travel and planning and um, extracurricular fun activities. Um, so apparently 85% of people are not even looking at activities before they arrive, um, you know, like in a vacation area or on a trip or just, you know, for a weekend. So what welcome has done is now they're saying like, Hey, whenever you're going to go visit somewhere or you're planning, you know, a destination, you can actually see, open this welcome app and look through a ton of different events that are at that destination and say like different things that you're interested in things that, you know, you might want to try. Um, and then welcome just creates this itinerary based upon the interests and everything that you've outlined there. Um, so it creates a schedule and everything, uh, and it can also use location. It could present different offers and different options util utilizing Lyft or Uber. Um, and let's say that you, um, it can adjust its behavior behavior based upon the consumer's behavior or it can adjust the uh, the itinerary based on the user's behavior which i think is really cool so for example you're you know you're planning to go to the park or some type of an outdoor activity and it starts to rain well it can recommend other things that would be um, still in your wheelhouse uh, that would be more indoors like visiting a museum or you know maybe a wine tasting or something like that so they um and it's also kind of bringing in like that Tinder feature where you can sort of swipe left or swipe right on an activity if you decide that it no longer interests you. Or it can adjust your schedule if you decide, hey, I really like where this bar where I'm at or this like outdoor area where I am. I want to stay here a little longer, not ready to head over to the next activity. It'll adjust to you. Um, and they've raised $1.2 in seed funding led by 3Rodeo. Um, and what I, what, there's a, there's a lot of things that I like about this play is that they're really focused on growth right now and not necessarily monetization. And I think that in terms of scaling, um, and having sort of that, uh, organic growing and, um, added value proposition, that's a great approach. I think it's hard to just start off monetizing something, um, from the beginning when you don't necessarily have that scale and growth, right? So this will help them, I think, uh, obtain users. And then um, I can see how they can monetize this, right? Like it's very evident to me um, that they could take a fee maybe from driving traffic to certain places, but they really want to focus on not necessarily taking money from or, or promoting any special places. They really want to focus on the user experience and making sure that people are going where they want to go, right? So in the future, they plan on including some other features like taking into consideration your budget, um, restrictions and other things. But for me, I think this is great because you've got, you know, I've, I feel like I am, I in an ideal world, I would love to plan certain things, but you know, life happens, right? Things change, plans change, and you want to be able to have a backup plan right away without having to search on Yelp or go through different things and um, figure out like what else is around or where can I do this and you know where are these other activities so I think this is a great tool I I love the idea of this um, and I think that there's just so many things that they'll be able to do longer term in terms of like advertising monetization creating custom audiences all of these different things by by having this user behavior and provide really you know great value you know obviously with any app the biggest challenge is probably going to be scale and, and growth 
um, from a consumer adoption perspective, but uh, I think this is really interesting. Yeah, I'm excited by this app too, um, and completely agree with everything you've said. I, I mean, while I'm not a millennial or a Gen Z, um, you know, I, like you, I travel a lot for work, um, and, um, you know, even when we're on family vacations or things like that, I think that often is the case where even if you've done some research before you you know, take the trip and you've got an idea of the kinds of things that you want to do, at least for me, I don't tend to book, uh, you know, excursions or things until I actually get there and I see what the weather is that day and, you know, all those sorts of things. Um, so I think having an app that can kind of pull that together in real time based on real time data and weather and other things, um, in your location and what's around you and so on, I, I think is, is kind of brilliant really. Um, and you know, I've been a big fan uh, over the last couple of years of, of Google Trips. Um, uh, use that app, and I think in a lot of ways this is kind of a, a step forward from that, um, just in terms of the types of data that it's pulling together um, to create those, you know, sort of on-the-fly itineraries for you. Um, so I, I really like it. I, I think it's. Um, there's a lot of capability here. I'm with you on the monetization. I think it, for right now, this is about growth and scale uh, and rolling this thing out. But I think it has a huge uh, potential. I look forward to trying it myself. Um, and um, yeah, it's just just seeing seeing where it goes. But uh, good for you know, good on these guys for uh, for raising some seed capital and getting it off the ground. And uh, uh, you know, we'll follow it uh, closely and see see how it plays out. Yeah. All right, so that's our three industry news stories uh, for this week. Uh, just before I uh, get into the member news, I wanted to just quickly mention again uh, what we did last week, which is uh, we announced our uh, the release of our Global Location Trends Report for 2019. So that's available now on the LBMA uh, website under the Research tab. Uh, of course, if you're a member, it's free. If you're not a member, you can buy it for a small fee. And um, yeah, just check it out. There's a lot of interesting data in there. Um, and um, yeah, I, we're, we're getting some good feedback on it already. So uh, take a look, Global Location Trends Report 2019. All right, okay, on to our member news section now. Uh, as usual, I'll kick this off with uh, a story about McDonald's uh, in the UK. Um, and they are launching uh, a chicken McNugget van. Uh, so this is like a basically a food truck uh, just for chicken McNuggets that goes out on the road and they're rolling this out across uh, a 2019 summer concert music festival kind of tour, uh, giving away lots of free nuggets. Um, but you kind of go through this thing and it's like an interactive pop-up. Uh, there's a McNugget maze uh, to go through. There's augmented reality experiences with McNugget lenses. There, there's a 360 spinning selfie experience. So it's kind of like a little fun thing, you know, for, family and kids and, and what not to do, and you get free nuggets uh, while you're at it. Um, so, uh, and this kind of follows on a, um, a previous experience that they did uh, over the last three years. They've done a, uh, an experience uh, with a McFlurry van that was going around offering up free McFlurries, um, and they apparently had uh, 88,000 of those served across these festivals in the previous years. And so they're expecting uh, the McNugget uh, tour to be even bigger. Um, so some of the UK festivals that this is hitting are called Wireless, 
transmit, why not the Reading Festival, the Sundown Festival. Um, so, you know, if you're going to any of those, you live in the UK or you're traveling to the UK to go to a festival, look for the Chicken McNugget band. <laughs> and jump into the experience, yeah. Uh, I don't really have a ton to add. I mean, I <laughs> you like chicken McNuggets? Do your kids like chicken McNuggets? Uh, I do not eat chicken McNuggets. Um, I worked at McDonald's. It was my first job. I was 14. And so there's very little things that I will eat there, but I would eat a McFlurry. Um, so yeah, I, I think that this is a great idea. I like that they're, you know, getting involved in the community and kind of going out versus, uh, some of the other campaigns that they run are more focused on bringing people into them, whether that be through like gamers or Pokemon go or, you know, um, different things that they have done. But I, I like the idea of, you know, like I said, getting out to the community, getting involved there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't really have a ton to add. It's, it's McNuggets on a van. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know what? I think for, for me, like we had, um, you know, regardless of whether it's McNuggets or, 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 you know, what the brand is, I think there, there is a role for these types of, um, experiential branding, uh, things to happen. Right. And it, especially for kids and families, so we had this, um, there's a there's a restaurant near us here um, uh, called Smokes Poutinery, and if you're Canadian, you know about poutine. Um, and they had this thing last year where they had the Heinz ketchup uh, van truck thing, and it was a similar thing. You go through it, and there's like you take a selfie and you do all this stuff. And at the end of it, they actually give you like a bottle of Heinz ketchup with like your own selfie on on the label. Um, um, so you get your own personalized ketchup bottle and like things like that. But like, you know, for kids, I think it's fun. Um, and I think if you can play around with augmented reality and, and, and you can drive some, some brand interactions, I think it's interesting. I think that, you know, like McDonald's in particular, I know here in Canada, you know, every maybe once a quarter or something like that, they run this thing where it's like free, free coffee. Um, and, uh, um, and, um, it's really worked well to kind of build their coffee brand, uh, you know, in contrast to Tim Hortons, uh, which has been losing mega share as, you know, the major Canadian player. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I you know, I don't believe that McNuggets ha has that same kind of, you know, drawing contrast to competitive brands. Um, but, um, you know, I, I I do think that you know this type of festival environment is is a good place to kind of you know have these types of uh, experiences for 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 people. So, yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. Staying with the restaurant theme here, um, Square has added DoorDash and Postmates integrations into its uh, POS, and this is really interesting because you know restaurants who use Square were kind of managing multiple. Um, integrations of hardware and software trying to um, you know be able to deliver um, and, and meet the needs of, of their customers who maybe want to have something delivered via DoorDash or Postmates but now they can directly integrate with it um, through a POS integration solution Chowley uh, which also enables the orders from the platforms to appear directly in their square point of sale system so 
obviously this is really important from a restaurant perspective because it's helping them consolidate different things as well as kind of like streamline their, their processes. Um, so if, I mean, Square for Restaurants apparently has been around for a little while, but they've leveraged the technologies from the existing point of sale register. And then they also rely on their food delivery caviar um, business. So they're kind of combining that first party ordering platform here with the point of sale, which is really interesting and I'm sure really useful. Um, so it was about like four years ago that Square also started allowing uh, public uh, began building public APIs that partners could kind of um, sink into. And what I really like about that is that from an ecosystem perspective, it's not that Square is trying to be everything to everybody, but they are really focused on what they do very well. Um, and I think that that's really powerful, but the ability that you can maybe come in and create something custom that would, you know, link into that, um, I think is a really powerful tool. And then I also think that the other really powerful thing about this story is that they're streamlining this for restaurants and managers. Um, you know, you think like, okay, people in a restaurant that, I mean, I worked in a restaurant growing up and, and all through uh, college, you know, I waited tables and did those things. And, you know, you're really just focused on like serving good food, making sure the customer has a great experience and obviously like getting your tips. So when you have to manage multiple systems, you know, these people who work in a restaurant generally are not like, project managers, right? They're not trying to like look at all these different systems and make sure everything flows really well. So to be able to have something that streamlines where they can just continue to focus on the, the dining experience or the delivery experience and the quality of the food, I think is super powerful. Um, so bringing everything into one place, I think is a great, you know, and smart and smart move. Um, so this also comes integrated access to square payments and uh, the payment processing and other services, including payroll and capital. Um, as well. So, you know, they're, they're thinking about all the different pieces of the ecosystem, how they can kind of streamline this process for their customers and their customers' customers um, from a delivery aspect. So I really like this story. I think this is a smart move. And, you know, there's probably a lot of restaurants who might use a different point of sale system that's going to say, hey, I'm going to go with Square now, or I'm going to switch that over because this is such a pain, like juggling all of these extra, you know, hardware pieces and systems. So I think this is a win for them for sure. Yeah, I, I think this is a really, really strong uh, integration announcement for them. I, th I think that, um, you know, we, as an industry overall, um, you know, one of my pet peeves is, is that when you go and build a platform, um, you know, whatever it is, and, and you don't have a solid set of APIs for pushing data in and out and integrating with other platforms, I think it makes it difficult. It limits the ability to grow and scale your platform um in terms of you know in this case in the restaurant industry you look at it and you go okay well you know as a restaurant operator i've got to have you know a point of sale system a crm system a payroll system a this system a that system and they don't talk to each other um and that's a lot of work and, and um you know so so i yeah, i love that they're kind of seeing the op opportunities for creating efficiencies here uh and you know the integrations with postmates and, and doordash uh, in particular, I think that as we see their restaurant industry exploding, the you know the the revenue side growing because of uh, of delivery, um, I, I think that tying that directly in uh, to the POS system in in what they're doing here, I think makes a ton of sense. And then the backend pieces that you that you just talked about too of payroll and, and capital, um, I, I think are brilliant, right? Because I, I think that the more you can kind of widen 
you know, your reach in terms of that particular um, segment, uh, restaurant segment, um, the better. Um, and I think that uh, there's an opportunity for them here to displace other other players, as you said, and uh, kind of own the vertical. So I like it. All right, our final story. Um, so uh, rumors are flying right now uh, about the uh, coming uh, release of iOS 13. Uh, this is Apple's operating system for those of you who have been living under a rock and don't know. Um, but uh, there's a lot of uh, things that are um, being talked about when it comes to the location-based uh, tracking and, and marketing space. Uh, they are... Uh, exploring right now that uh, the idea of um, that when an app is, uh, is, tr is using or tracking your location, you will get a pop-up notification uh, showing you exactly, you know, what they're looking at and, and why. Um, so basically featuring a, a map um, and kind of focusing on, on kind of being a little bit more transparent and, and, and helping, you know, with some of this privacy discussion we've been talking about, uh, but basically informing the user as to where their app is tracking their location. Um, so, you know, as the head of the Location-Based Marketing Association, kind of speaking on behalf of, of the industry and all the challenges that we've had around this issue, I think this is good. I think this is a really strong uh, move by Apple uh, in, in, their, uh, in their operating system. I think that, um, you know, the, the idea of transparency, the idea of helping people understand what they're doing. They have an example here that says if you're using the Tesla app with background location tracking turned on, uh, you'll see a notification uh, showing precisely where, where it has tracked you on a map and being presented with the opportunity to alter the settings with a single tap. Um, so I think that's all good, right? Because, you know, right now the way it is is that, you know, you download the app and then you say, okay, uh, yes, share my location. No, don't share my location. Or... Uh, only share my location when using the app, but actually informing people when that location is actually being used in real time, uh, I think is, uh, is, is a good step forward for the industry. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there, a lot of app uh, providers out there who are not going to be happy about this because they've, you know, they've been doing things that probably they shouldn't be doing. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, it, it's uh yeah, so so, um, so so I like that. I, I mean, I like that, uh, you know, they're kind of pushing that kind of front and center. Uh, and the other good thing about this story is, is that it's not just third-party apps uh, that, you know, you, you get through the App Store. Um, it's also their own Apple Store apps uh, as well, like their own native apps uh, are also subject to this. So uh, so they're not holding themselves out as, 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 you know, better or different than anybody else. So I like that. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, I'll kind of stop there for a second and let you weigh in. <laughs> yeah, I think this is really interesting. So, um, you know, there's a, there were a few different things that I thought of when I, when I read this and, um, one, I do think that, that Apple is obviously like sort of putting their money where their mouth is and they have their own buy-in because they are doing this with their own apps as well as third-party apps. Um, you know, I also think that this is important because sometimes I'll realize, Hey, I've been sharing my location all the time with this app, which is probably why my battery has been draining. You know, right. and it's, it's more about that for me than like somebody knowing where I am or where I'm going. Um, 
but I think that it's important for consumers to realize, you know, what's tracking you when and where. I also think that this is a good opportunity for the industry as a whole to look at other methods and means of um, maybe broader location data like IP intelligence or different different um, opportunities for um, audiences and kind of understanding where somebody goes, but not necessarily having to have that level of granularity all the time. And so how can you implement those things and be more privacy conscious and better user experience focused, um, you know, without having to have these things infringed upon. Um, and then my last thought was from a consumer perspective, is this something that I'm going to have to be like saying, okay, I know they're following me like all the time. If I am okay with it, is it going to be an annoying pop-up or am I going to just be able to say like, never show me this again? <laughs> like I get it. I know I'm fine. Um, or how often is that going to be? So I'm interested from that perspective as an iPhone user, like what is that going to look like? So, um, lots to be determined, but I mean, I think that this is a great step in the right direction. Yeah. And, and it's just one of a suite of things that they're doing with, with iOS 13, I think to be more transparent and, and give uh, consumers a bit more, uh, control. Um, I, I know they're talking about, uh, uh, cracking down on Bluetooth and Wi-Fi signal tracking uh, from a location perspective as well. Uh, there's a, an upgrade coming to uh, what they're doing with near field. Uh, I understand uh, from what I've read so far. So right, you know, basically the way it is right now is you can read an NFC tag, um, but uh, going forward, you'll be able to write uh, to tags as well um, and, and interact with tags, um, which you can't do today. Uh, so that's kind of interesting too, in terms of where you can go with that. I know the guys at, uh, um, at, uh, um, what's, what's coming? I'm thinking of Alex Kim's company, Mikhail, help me blue bite. Oh, blue bite. Yeah. yeah. Blue bite. I, I know the guys at blue bite will be super excited about that in terms of what, what they can do, uh, with, uh, some of their uh, NFC enabled product they've got going out. So yeah, I, I think there's, there, there's a lot happening in this release. Um, so it, it, it's definitely one to watch. It's not just a, uh, you know, we've added a couple of new uh, capabilities to the camera. Um, there, there's a lot going on here. I mean, Apple, I feel like is much more thoughtful than some of the other providers in terms of privacy. Um, and they're, they're the ones that are like more protective of their consumers and their data, in my opinion, than, you know, a Google, <laughs> yeah. or, you know, but anyways, that's besides the point, but I like this. It's good. Yeah. There you go. So that's our show. Uh, three industry news stories, three member news stories, a little bit of a reminder uh, about the uh, 2019 global location trends report, which you can get uh, on our website. And um, you've been listening to episode number 419 of this week in location-based marketing. As always, if you have questions, feedback, criticism, story ideas, reach out to us. Uh, contact information is at the end of the video here, uh, or we're easily found on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those things. Uh, reach out to either of us and, and uh, let us know. Uh, thank you for listening and watching. We'll, of course, be back with episode 420 next week. Have a great week. Bye.